0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations.
1: Welcome to the Monkeys Fighting Robots podcast with Matthew Sardo.
2: Take your sticky paws off me,
1: you damn dirty ass. <laughs> Holy shit, they're actually monkeys fighting robots. You can follow us on Twitter at monkeys underscore robots... And on Instagram at monkeys fighting robots. Make sure to download and review our podcast from iTunes and Stitcher. And now here's your host, Matt. Ah! <laughs>
0: Welcome to the
2: tenth episode of Monkeys Fighting Robots. <laughs> only fifty-eight more episodes till we pass the Mindy Project. Too soon? Ah. If only Josh Whedon was on Twitter to help out Mindy. We have two legends of comedy on the show today, Brad Garrett and Greg Bruce. Who is Brad Garrett, you ask? Besides Raymond's older brother, he was the voice of Hulk Hogan in Rockin' Wrestling when Saturday morning cartoons were real brother. Brad also opened up for Frank Sinatra and Sammy Davis Jr., Greg Proops, on the other hand, has been part of Whose Line Is It Anyway for the past 26 years? He's the creator of the Smartest Man in the World podcast. Star Wars fans may remember him as the announcer for the podcast race. Not the podcast race. The pod race in The Phantom Menace. Greg was podcasting before it was a thing. Weird. Decided by an off-mic coin flip before the show. Brad is up first. Brad, welcome to the show.
0: Thanks, buddy. Sorry I'm a little late. There was a heavy uh, heavy Passover traffic. <laughs>
2: no problem. What's your second favorite story from your new book, When the Balls Drop?
0: My second favorite story? Yes. Wow. Well, you know, there were, uh, well, uh, well, my second, fa- well, probably, <laughs> probably my Cosby thing. I don't know if you guys want to get into that. We but, can. Uh, uh, Cosby was bringing me on the, uh, on the, uh, tonight show back in the, uh, mid eighties. And, um, he was working in Vegas and, uh, headlining the Hilton. And I was opening for crystal Gale at the desert Inn, And, and he saw part of my show and, and, uh, he was supposed to guest host for Carson like the next night. And, uh, so he called me at the hotel and he was like, listen, Brad, uh, I saw the show. You did it at the <laughs> Desert Inn, and I'm going to be co hosting for Johnny. You know, guest hosting. You'll be guest hosting. And I said, you know, I thought it was one of my buddies calling me, messing with me, because, you know, this is the cause, right? You know, way before the rape. And um, he says, I want you to maybe come on and, and you know, guest, guest star and do some stand up. I couldn't believe it. I mean, this is you know, this is an amazing opportunity. So Carson, because we both had to work the same night in Vegas at our uh, you know different hotels, Carson sends his jet to pick up me and and Cosby the next day. So we're on the plane, and this is all very euphoric. I mean, I'm in my early twenties. I'm sitting with the Cos, and he goes, "Listen, you know, I saw you do the um, the impression of me in the show last night." And I went, yes, yes, Mr. Cosby. It, uh, it's kind of a kind of a big uh, closing number I do. And he goes, yeah, don't do that. <laughs> and I went, you're kidding? And he went, no, you know, be be yourself. That's the, uh, that's the, the, be yourself. And I said, well, you know, I kind of do impressions. I do a handful, and that's kind of, it's kind of how I end my, and uh, yeah, you don't need that uh, uh, today. <laughs> and, uh. I was like, you know, thinking to myself, "Well, I don't know if he's serious." I, I mean, you, you know, that's how I structured my six-minute set for the, for you know, for this Tonight Show I'm supposed to do, and um, so now I'm just racked about what to do. You know, I mean, it's you know, you always want to score, you want to do well. So in my head, I'm I'm you, you know, putting together what could be a new five minutes, and what do I end with? And I could end with you know, Dangerfield, but I did that last time, and I'm just kind of going. So I'm out there about three minutes on the Tonight Show, and it's going okay. It's not great. You know, a little bit of crickets here and there. And I finally just, you know, go into Cosby. You know, and I figure I'm doing Cosby. Cosby's right at the desk hosting. What could be more fun? And the audience loves it. And uh, I look over to the desk, and he's just, like, staring down through his bifocals, looking at the blue cards to introduce the, uh, the next guest. And, I mean, we had to fly back on that plane, me and him together, and it was uh, it was very quiet. Very, very quiet. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is like the worst feeling ever, longest flight of my life. And um, that was it. But it was very, uh, I said, you know, Mr. Cosby, thank you for the opportunity. Uh-huh. Yes. Okay. You're one dead Jew.
1: <laughs> and
0: uh, so that was that was one of my stories. Fun, right? Yeah. Speaking yeah.
2: of prank phone calls, back in the day, did you ever pretend to be Hulk Hogan?
0: No. <laughs> no, I didn't. I can, if that's what you're into, I can call you at the house as Hulk. <laughs> get, you all, get you all lathered up.
2: <laughs> no, I was just researching you, and I saw that that was one of your characters that you played way back in the day.
0: So. Yeah, yeah, that was one of my first uh, first voiceover uh, jobs back in the day. It was. Uh, you look at that animation now, and you go, wow, has it come a long way. Thank God.
2: What moment in your career are you most proud of?
0: Uh, probably this one right here. <laughs> to, to be talking to you, Matt. I'm not going to lie. I'm I'm moist. Uh, well, look. You know, I've been very lucky. I've worked hard. I'm very grateful. I, I'm, I I I would have to say probably you know working on Raymond. I think it was uh, you know uh, a great opportunity with some of the best writers in television and the great cast. And uh, you know, uh, I think before I take the dirt nap, that uh, you know I'm gonna I'm gonna die as Robert. So it's it's a good thing I got lucky.
2: Who was cooler, Frank Sinatra or Sammy Davis Jr.?
0: That's tough. They were a lot alike. Uh, Sammy was just a lot more approachable and more uh, touchy-feely you know, than Frank, but they were both really, really good to me. I got the Sammy gig while, by working with Frank, um, which was really cool. But um, I think you could hang out a little more with Sammy. You know, we're a little bit more comfortable. Um, but uh, I, I'd have to go with Sam. Brad, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for your time, man.
2: That was Brad Garrett. His book, When the Balls Drop, is in stores today. Up now is the smartest man in the world, Greg Proops. Hey, Greg, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. My pleasure, Matt. Tell me about your new book, The Smartest Book in the World.
1: Well, it's about 300 pages. It has a cover, and uh, there's illustrations in it. So if you get bored, you can look at the pictures. Uh, it's, it's about everything we talk about on the podcast, the Smartest Man in the World podcast. Uh, uh, baseball, vodka, feminism, history, how to steal art, records I like, books I like, things like that, movies I like.
2: I was really impressed with the different baseball sections. The dictator baseball team was my favorite. Can you explain that concept?
1: Absolutely. Uh, during the podcast, people will get up and ask me questions, and they'd say, will you please assemble your all-time Roman Emperor's baseball team or your all-time Queens of England baseball team? And so I would do it on the moment. And uh, so we thought we'd put them all in the book. And so the all-time dictator team is, <laughs> 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 what if there was dictators at every position in a baseball team? And I think I've got Stalin in there as the ultimate stopper of humanity.
2: What's your second favorite section of the book?
1: Uh, how to steal art. I think the, the ten pieces of art, I wish I had the uh, cojones to steal, is I think my favorite part. I also like the dictionary, the proofionary, where we, uh, uh, I decry the exclamation point and the Oxford comma uh i think people overuse exclamation points everyone's turned into a breathless 10 year old
2: yes i think i just tweeted out with an exclamation point that i'd be interviewing you
1: (laughs) (laughs) i always feel like it's backloading a sentence and it always makes me want to read the sentence like today we're going to interview greg proof
2: (laughs) you have a successful podcast what makes up a good podcast
1: Well, I think to be entertaining week after week and to make a connection with the audience is the most important part. I've found that I thought stand-up was the easiest way to uh, connect with the audience one-on-one, but i found that podcasting is a very intimate uh, enterprise, like being on the radio. You're having a phone conversation with individuals, and so they really respond to what you're talking about. And uh, I think uh, the the main thing is uh, because uh, we don't have uh, to take meetings or any corporate masters, uh, it's all from the heart, and I think people recognize that. And in a world full of prepackaged corporate Stuff and blockbuster movies and giant stuff that 's spoon fed you, I think people want to hear uh, uh, you know individual opinions that are sincere
2: do you think we 're going through a podcast revolution right now?
1: I absolutely do. I mean, look at Mark Maron and Chris Hardwick and uh, every, everyone has really uh, come into their own, I think as far as uh, being able uh, to be a broadcaster. Uh, on a much more uh, broadcasting level than I think radio even imagined, because now it's uh, on demand. People have smartphones and computers, so you're able to just carry it around with you and use it whenever you want.
2: What podcasts are in your iPhone?
1: Uh, mine. Uh, <laughs> I'm joking, of course. Uh, I love Doug Benson's. I love movies. Uh, you know, Mark Marin, I like Chris Hardwick's uh, uh, The Nerdist. Uh, Aisha Tyler's Girl and Guy. Uh, Jen Kirkland. Uh, i seem fun. Jackie Cations, Dork Forrest. Uh, they're all very interesting and, and very intelligent, enlightened people.
2: The first time you were on Whose Line Is It Anyway was in 1989. Are you surprised that 26 years later it's still going on?
1: You bet I am. I, I fell into a pot of gold, man. You never think when you start a job when you're, uh, well, gosh, how long has it been on on 25 years, uh, off and on, counting the U.K.? Uh, I started on the show, of course, when I was seven years old, and uh, you really never think you're going to keep a job that long and that it's going to keep coming back. This is our third year on the CW, and that was a complete surprise to me.
2: What moment in your career are you most proud of?
1: In my career? Yes. Uh, uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, I I played at Prince Charles' birthday. That was fun. Years ago, Drew Carey uh, and all of us did a concert at Carnegie Hall. We did improv. And that was pretty exciting because backstage there was a picture of Booker T. Washington with Mark Twain watching him on the same stage. And we were all pretty thrilled to even be on a stage that Mark Twain and Booker T. Washington were on. I thought that was pretty exciting. Uh, Playing for the Prince was fun. Uh, We sang happy birthday to him, and they put the words to happy birthday up on the prompter. Uh, I didn't know that there was anyone who didn't know the words to happy birthday, so that surprised me.
2: What are the ingredients that make up good improv?
1: Uh, I think uh, uh, listening is the main thing, because if you listen, then you know where you're going. Improv is uh, walking backwards. You only know where you've been, and you don't know where you're going to go. So it's trusting yourself and being able to free fall. And also, in my case, the chief element is to be in a group with Ryan Stiles, because I've been in a group with Babe Ruth my whole career. (laughs) And Ryan Stiles is the greatest improviser I've ever seen. He just points at the fence and hits a tater, you know what I mean?
2: If you could team up with anyone for film or television, animation, who would it be and
1: why? Well, that's a good question. I I had never really considered that. I'm such a lone wolf. I run around on my own all the time. Uh, I think Bill Murray is fabulous. Uh, I, Lily Tomlin is someone I admire greatly. I would have loved to have done something with her ever. Uh, uh, that suffices an answer. Yes. yes. <laughs> I don't want to start fishing now no, and pretending no. that I know. You know, <laughs> I would have loved to have been a bad guy in a Scorsese movie. You know,
2: that'd be very interesting.
1: Oh, I can play gangsters.
2: <laughs> Are there any upstart comedians today that impress you?
1: Absolutely. Lee Camp uh, and Jamie Kilstein here uh, in New York are both uh, very uh, socially aware. Uh, They talk about a lot of stuff that's going on uh, in society, the inequities between rich and poor and whatnot. I find them very impressive. Uh, So I think there's loads of upstart comedians everywhere. I think this is a boom time for comedy um, because there's so many women now, and, and so many of the biggest difference, I think, between when I started in the 80s is the dominance of women. Uh, you know, there wasn't, a, when I was a little kid, there was, what, four or five stand-up comics on TV that were allowed to be women. And now you've got, you know, Amy Schumer and Amy Poehler and everyone named Amy, and it's, it's amazing.
2: <laughs> Who was the person that you saw that made you decide that comedy was for you?
1: Well, I, mean, I used to watch TV with my parents when I was little, and I loved laughing. And then all the old-time comics would come on, like Jack Benny and George Burns and Burl and stuff like that, and Hope. Uh, but I, Carlin is my idol. Uh, I, I, it wasn't one particular moment in my life that I decided I w- wanted to be one. I just always loved comedy more than anything else. I was always bored by the, the singing in the scenes. I wanted them to get to the jokes. Uh, I think Carlin is a... His mastery of words and uh, his clarity of his message was uh, superb. I also happen to think Richard Pryor is the greatest stand-up comic that ever was in America because he brought pathos and uh, humanity, and he was a great actor, too.
2: What was your worst experience as a stand-up comedian?
1: Oh, golly. Those are innumerable. (laughs) I've been chased off the stage. I walked off in fury. I've had stuff thrown at me, you know— Uh, I think we've all melted down once or twice and called the audience every name in the book and then wished we hadn't done that. Uh, I remember once I was playing in England, and I called my wife back in America. This is before cell phones. I called her on a payphone after the show, and I said they were terrible tonight, and I had to rip them a new one, and my wife went, that must have made you feel better, and I felt terrible because it did make me feel better.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I have a social media question. Somebody responded back. They wanted to know what your memories are of working on Star Wars Phantom Menace.
1: Well, it was fabulous. So we went out to Leavesden outside of London, and uh, they were just shooting GoldenEye then, and uh, we got to meet uh, Frank Oz, and uh, 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 Ewan McGregor came by, and uh, uh, I worked with George Lucas. He shot the scene with us, and he was as low-key and, and relaxed as any man who's spending $200 million could be. Uh, he came over, and he said, oh, you got, that was good. Do you, uh, you guys want to do another take? And I was like, yeah, George. Okay, that's fine. Uh, and that's how he directed. There was no shouting, uh, you know, none of that. Uh, So uh, it it was fantastic. Then Scott Capuro, who was the other pod race announcer, we went back to my house in London and we had Chinese food. And uh, they gave us uh, swag. Uh, Scott asked the second AD for, uh, do you have any swag? And they gave us uh, polar fleeces that said episode one, which was the name of the movie before they called it The Phantom Menace. So those are collector's items like, uh, you know, the Revenge of the Jedi t-shirts or whatever. The movie hadn't been named yet.
2: Greg, thank you this so is much. Pretty heavy geek stuff. I know this is awesome. Man. <laughs> this is, I'm, I'm starting to geek out right here. So, but uh, Greg, my, my time is up. Thank you so much.
1: Thanks, Matt. I appreciate it.
2: That was Greg Proops. His book, The Smartest Book in the World, is in stores now. He is currently on tour promoting the book, and you can go to his website, GregProops.com, for details and to purchase tickets. Hey, Matt, we survived another episode. Oh no! <laughs> Once again, there are several ways to continue the conversation after the show. Follow us on Twitter at monkeys underscore robots. You can look at our silly photos on Instagram at monkeys fighting robots. You can follow me on Twitter at Matthew Sardo. The biggest compliment we receive is when the subscriber number goes up on SoundCloud. Also, if you have a chance, rate our show on iTunes. I hear the more reviews you get, the more famous you get. and be famous which is you know where we'd like to go with this. fame fortune Jedi does not see these things but that's art of the podcaster does if you have an Android device listen to the show on Stitcher there is this great app called tune in listen to every radio station in the universe plus the monkeys fighting robots podcast
1: okay lunchbox let's try this again
2: There are so many people that made the 10th episode of Monkeys Fighting Robots a success. Special thanks to Greg Proops and Brad Garrett for calling the Monkeys Fighting Robots hotline. Jeff Shade is the creator of our amazing intros and outros. Jessica Wynn designed the Monkeys Fighting Robots logo. Are you a monkey? Are you a robot? The staff at Visual Realm built our website and keeps it up and running. And then there's my wife, who just doesn't understand why I watch Agents of Field at all. To all my friends, family, and the interweb, thank you for joining us for this episode of Monkeys Fighting Robots.